but yeah, you're right. When they make it and then, you know, they start doing incredibly stupid things with it, you know, and first of which is they usually marry the, you know, the hooker they've been using. There you go. <laughs> and then, then she, she ends up having a kid. So now they got an anchor baby and, you know, she's right. set for life. And right. and it, that's nothing against her. I mean, you know, it's good work if you can get it. Right. So, <laughs> you know, they, Thank they you just... for the future emails. <laughs> Powers, you know they're going to think we're related. <laughs> you got more hair than I. I cut mine short like a marine now. So, you know, oh, that's a that's a first world problem when you're over 60 and you have so much hair and you still cut it like a Marine. Whereas I've got three pieces that weigh back and forth like a duck. Okay. Can you read my no. thing? Like father, uh, like daughter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. It was Heather's Christmas, uh, Father's Day present. Oh, so, nice. So, that is that is quite nice. So, Deepak, are we talking about stupid things people spend money on today? Lifestyles of the rich and famous. That's that's my uh, that's what I've got on my notes. <laughs> Since we got a forensic accountant, I thought what a better way to bug him. <laughs> Have him just hey, I, I are we recording already or no? Yeah, we're recording. Oh, okay. So, what you want to do is go, hey, Dan. What's the dumbest shit you had okay people buying? That's <laughs> mm -hmm. and I, I think we <laughs> I'm trying to think if I got a good answer for that one. Let's do it. I'm thinking. <laughs> um oh you're thinking. I thought mm -hmm. you said thank you. <laughs> no, no. no. Um... Nothing comes to mind, but you know, it is four o'clock in the morning here. Yes. So. I'm happy you're with us, buddy. I'm here at the pub making bread. So I'm getting two things done at once. Okay. Let me tell you the, so for background on this whole thing. So we had a show in America called lifestyles of the rich and famous um, decades ago. And, mm -hmm. and they would show you all of these homes and, and having been thrown out of some of the final finest educational systems in the Midwest, I had been in some homes that looked just like those. And what I always found when I was really little is um, it was almost overwhelming. They were so big. And mm -hmm. I was always just kind of surprised at the stuff people, people owned, you know, I mean, I, you know, we had nine people living in our house and my mom usually always had a couple other stragglers. So <laughs> we didn't, we didn't have any of those problems. We had different problems. Um, but it was fascinating. I remember distinctly playing hide and seek in a friend of mine's, and I would call it a compound, not just a mansion, but a compound. And I got lost. I literally lost upstairs. There were so many rooms and nobody came and found me. I just eventually had to find my way back down. It was nuts. It was, the, it was about the time you got hungry and went looking for the kitchen, Sean. Right. <laughs> right. And I'm just like, every door looked the same. You know, the hallway was all kind of, you know, beige and hardwood floor. Beautiful place. And I mean, really and truly just stunning, beautiful. But the uh, I had a little girlfriend in like third grade and their family's um, home had a theater on the third floor with like 15 seats, like a real one with a with a uh, the, the drawing. Um, the Oh, my God, the, the curtain, the drawing curtain 
you know, okay. not a full size stage, but about half. But yeah, 15 seats. I mean, and this wasn't for TV. This was live performance. In their home. <laughs> yeah. In their home. Right. So <laughs> let me throw one more I, I, out there because I'm not trying to brag. But so I shoot a, a commercial with Paul Newman in uh, a house in Kansas City. That's well, it's not a house. It was a mansion. And we were able to fit an orchestra and 150 people in the foyer for your for Oklahomans mm -hmm. um, to to film a commercial. It could easily fit that much. I mean, it was it was nuts. And that was an old gangster named Pendergast. It was his uh, his original house. That's funny. I've, I've even heard of him. So I, right. I did right. think of, <laughs> I did think of a story. I was in. Polka uh, years ago, back in the mid eighties. And we were affiliated with a bunch of scoundrels who were renamed uh, name uh, nameless, <laughs> but they had a, a luxury uh, uh, lots near the beach. And so they said that they had sad news that this one 26 year old kid came in and wanted to buy a, $2.5 million house, right. but he just couldn't make it in and had to settle, settle for <laughs> a $1.75 million house. Wow. And I remember, and I remember standing up and saying, Oh, oh hold on. Oh, no, can't, can't shed a tear on that one. <laughs> then I, get told, I get told you have an attitude. And I think I told him I uh, needed to go get a cup of coffee or something like that. Because yeah. it was going to uh, blow up. I oh, think yeah. that the challenge that I have always found is it seems to be the most stupid. The stupidity is um, is new money. And I'm not I'm not saying, you know, you shouldn't have any new money, but you also don't realize that that flow continues. And I'm guilty of it. I did real well in my early 20s. Um, the dumbest thing I bought looking back, which is actually pretty reasonable was a shoe shine machine that was brass. And when I, I know I, it's, but, but at least I didn't Sean. buy horses. <laughs> at least I didn't buy horses. Cause you know, I was, I was, I was thrown to that one. But the, here's the funny thing about it all. You know, I'm like 25 and, uh, and you know, I've downsized and everything else. And, and I, you know, I pissed away most of my money and, and I still had that thing. And I was like, and I was moving and I'm like, why on earth do I still have this? And I just put it out by the curb. It was like the saddest thing in the entire world was this solid brass. And for those of you who don't know what they are, in, in, in nice clothing stores, they have these things and you push a button and the bottom turns and one's red and one's black and you polish your shoes with it. And when mm -hmm. I was a little boy, I thought, you know, when I make it, I'm going to get myself one of those. Sean, I've heard stories from people where they thought if they owned a lot of Tupperware sets, they made it. What the hell is this brass right. damn thing you're talking about? <laughs> exactly. Right. It was, but it really was nice. But I, you know, how many times do you need to shine your shoes? Don't you just take them to somebody who does it at that point if you got that much money? So it, it's interesting to, to have watched. So I've got a guy I went to grade school or high school with, and he inherited about a half a million dollars. But he turned it into 15 million. So, and then he turned it into 30 million and he trades grain and some other stuff. But I've never seen that guy make any really stupid, crazy purchases. <laughs> but 
But I had another friend of mine that I, I don't know if he graduated from college, but he's the stadium expert worldwide, weirdly enough. But he has a twin engine plane and he's got some houses everywhere and all this other stuff. But he says he needs them. Like if he goes to Buenos Aires and he's working on a project, he goes, I can't rent a hotel. I've got to have a place to lay out all my stuff, have meetings and everything else instead of doing space. So he makes it, I guess, maybe justifiable and maybe powers needs to kick in there. Maybe that one's a better write-off and in the long run you own something. I don't know, but he's got a lot of houses. The, the, you'd be surprised at what people put in their companies and say, I need it for business. Right. You know, <laughs> I, uh, I had a client one time where listen, there was a chief Cherokee vehicle. I didn't see it out in the parking lot. And it was the second company vehicle assigned to the president of this company. So I happened to ask the person, and I was in Texas, the client was in Texas, and I asked him, where's the the uh, chief Cherokee? And they go, and the, the CFO kind of went like, it's in Colorado. And I go, what? <laughs> he goes, well, they have a, a, wit, a summer house, winter house, whatever the hell you want to call it, right. uh, in Colorado. And that's where it is. And his wife drives it. Right. Wow. So, so that was funny enough, but then um, he was indicted <laughs> about a year later and damned if the if the uh, uh, chief Cherokee didn't come into the whole equation. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, yeah he, I think he got a suspended sentence of two years. So. Wow. But Deepak, I think the biggest thing is, is when people come from, like, I, I, we were not poor growing up, but we didn't have any extra money. Um, mm-hmm. but you see these things and go, Oh, well, I mean, those people seem because they do seem happier, they really do. And my parents weren't unhappy, my mom was like, Kathy, she was happy all the time. And uh, mm-hmm. but I, I really thought that was the way to go, you know, you make enough green and you're there. But I, I went to a boarding school, and this is this kind of a you know, you and I talk about it all the time, but literally the second biggest family in Kuwait. One of their sons mm-hmm. was at this boarding school. And this kid had $5,000 a week for allowance. Allowance. And I had $5 mm-hmm. a week. And so <laughs> I, I know what that movie is. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it never entered my mind at 16 years old to go rent a hotel and get a bunch of hookers and a bunch of cocaine and have some fun. I mean, I, did, I didn't know any better. But now I do because I learned it from him. So <laughs> I'm going to depress oh you with this story for the sole reason that I don't yeah. mind like people buying those magnificent, like the huge houses and all of that nonsense. Mm-hmm. But here, the weird part that I notice is a lot of my friends who are like just holding corporate jobs are like right. highly leveraged to the extent where I'm pretty sure like the entire paycheck just goes to service the entire family's <laughs> lifestyle, right. which is the lifestyle yeah. of the rich and famous. And I don't see the right. point in that. It is specifically right. With- I remember a guy telling me, he goes, yeah, I can, I can live a lot better than I, uh, you know, than I, uh, than I make my, my uh, salary. I go, how's that? He goes, there's this wonderful thing called credit. And I'm like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> he, he went, he went bankrupt about a year later. 
Yeah. So I, I think what I would throw in there before we get too far out on that is I would I would blame most of this on lifestyle of the rich and famous, much like I would blame wedding dreams on Walt Disney. You know, you, yep. you sit there and all, everything is made to look like like it's accessible. OK, so mm-hmm. I'll give you my mom. My mom grew up with with some uh, family wealth. Her her dad had done real well and they died young. So I, of course, didn't get anything. But, but I would like to have. Rightfully so. <laughs> yeah. So I get invited. My roommate is from Mexico City at the boarding school. So at 15 years old, he'd been to my house for Christmas and Thanksgiving and all this other stuff and stayed with us. They invited us to go stay on their yacht for the summer. Me, not us, me. Mm. And my mom was like, no, I don't, I don't, I'm not okay with that. And I was like, God, are you kidding? You know, I was 14. Are you kidding me, mom? What are you doing? You know, and I'm yelling and (laughs) throwing a fit. And I still remember her saying, you know, Sean, wealth like that is like a drug. And it's so addictive, you will be chasing it for the rest of your life. And you'll be willing to do anything in the world to stay there, not to get there. She assumed I could get there, but to Mm -hmm. stay there. And um, still to this day, I... I still have that rolling around in the back of my head. That didn't make me save any more money in my early 20s. So, yeah. <laughs> well, that was some sound advice. I wish more people would right. tell their kids that these days. Considering yeah. that our and generation I- grew up with MTV Cribs, Sean, which was even worse. Right. <laughs> At least it Lifestyle is. of the Rich and Famous showed you houses of people who are industrialists and were doing right. shit with their life. This one just shows you random aspects of musicians, their houses, right. and you're like, okay, unless I was born with that kind of talent, what the fuck am I looking at this for? <laughs> and and I really think they should have done a follow-up show called Auctions of Cribs because <laughs> it, <laughs> it's coming. You know, I mean, if you don't have, like, like Dan will tell you as an accountant, go, hey, that's a bad idea. He really will. He'll tell you. A lot of accountants are just like, it's none of my business. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. It, I'm just here to do the taxes and make sure everything's legal. It. Um, when, yeah. when you mentioned Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, I actually had a, actually, his son-in-law. I had this wonderful, wonderful gentleman who, uh, <laughs> he said, I easily made $50 million, uh, it and uh, off of... Uh, an investment I made back when I was in my twenties, he started buying a print shop and it led to a huge fortune. So he says, so I made 50 million and my wife's pretty much spent 25 million of it. He says, <laughs> but my, he says, my, uh, son-in-law, uh, he owned one of, he owned the Sheridan on Maui, uh, wow. years ago, wow. back, back in the eighties. And he was actually on lifestyles of the rich and famous, twice right so he did very well for himself then he cashes out of maui and he gets in with a bunch of scoundrels in new orleans uh opening up a casino lost every dime then developed cancer and died wow yeah and and i was like that was pretty pretty bad so you know the the (sighs) It was just, it was just kind of, you know, rags to riches, back to rags story, right. uh, and that yeah. happens a lot. That happens yeah. a lot, and and of course now with uh, 
especially in real estate, the real estate community isn't that big. Okay. And you'll have people, I was at a meeting one time where they go, well, we're going to start a new subsidiary and we're going to have a new project. And they go, well, who's going to uh, uh, head this up? And they go, well, I'll make up a name. And he goes, Jack Jones. And the guy blurts out, Christ, is he out of prison already? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's so, awesome. And I and I said, well, what are we paying him? He goes, hundred grand and a, and a Cadillac. He says that'll yeah. keep him happy. And I, and I go, and what he's going to do? He goes, nothing. He says wow. he's going to be the face guy. And he yeah. says, but he's the type of guy that can bring in money. Yeah, I'm like, and he was in prison for what? Never got an answer for that one. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. I I think uh, one of the one of the other the the initial things that I would point out to anybody who really is looking at somebody and thinks they have money. Um, so my my father in law hit very 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 big in the oil business. My original kid's grandpa, and. Uh, and he had a gold Rolex watch that spewed oil in diamonds out of the middle of the watch. Now, hey. <laughs> it wasn't his I'm only I'm not going to say jizz. <laughs> exactly, right, exactly. It wasn't, it wasn't his only one. The guy got roofied one time by somebody, and they stole the original one in his credit card. I'm assuming it may have been somebody he didn't know that well. <laughs> you know, who knows? But he's a... He was a really good example of the lifestyles of the rich and famous thing. So he he's poor little uh, orphaned Native American kid, and he hits huge. Literally the American dream. I mean, if, if there's one to be had, you know, Native Americans need to be in that dream class too. But he didn't know what to do with it all. So um, the stories from his wife when I, you know, back when she was alive, would, you know, he would be getting these, multiple hundred thousand dollar checks per day and then he'd you know he'd go out with it with all the workers and buy lunch and everybody'd get drunk and forget about it they would be in suit jacket pockets literally yeah. multiple and not get deposited and to save money just to be safe she would go on a vacation with all of those checks and go open accounts down in texas <laughs> and that's yeah. the only reason they didn't go bankrupt is because of her stuff not his <laughs> Isn't yeah, it weird in a lot of these stuff. stories you'll hear like the women who are in charge of money stop the husband from right. going broke? <laughs> right. Yeah, it, it's um, it's astounding because I think the ego, the male ego, once you made that much, you have, you believe you're somewhere. Mm -hmm. Sustaining sustaining that. Let Powers chime in on this. Sustaining it's the hard part. Making it is not the hard part. Blind, dumb luck. Everybody will get a shot. And then well, how do you, you not know. waste it? What is it we, we say, uh, even a blind squirrel finds not once in a while, okay? And <laughs> when, I, I tell people that all the time, but yeah, you're right. When they make it and then, you know, they start doing incredibly stupid things with it, you know, and first of which is they usually marry, the you know, the hooker they've been using. There you go. You know? <laughs> and then, then she, she ends up, having a kid so now they right. got a, an anchor baby and you know she's right. set for life and right. and it, that's nothing against her i mean you yeah. know it's good work if you can get it right. so <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, thank they you just, for the future emails 
first of which is they usually marry the, you know, the hooker they've been using. There you go. <laughs> and then, then she she ends up having a kid. So now they got an anchor baby, and you know she's set for life. And right. and that's nothing against her. I mean, you know, it's good work if you can get it. So. <laughs> thank you for the future emails (laughs) the other the other thing that happens too is then they get really incredibly stupid when it comes to income tax well i want to pay the government anything i'll work for this well tell you what jones so did i okay and you know i i'm having a hard time feeling sorry for you and and they're like well i work hard and if I hear that one more time, yeah. I'm going to come through the window. I'm so yeah. So wow. So and then and then when they then they don't you know they don't prepay the tax. Oh, I'll just let them get me at the end of the year. And then right. they, you know then the first thing they do is they come after. You, well, how come I got a big penalty like this? Because you didn't take my advice and right. you didn't prepay. Yeah. And that's normally either when they a acquiesce or b say you know what i need a new cpa and i'm like sure <laughs> the, the the ai cpa website is full of people that will be happy to have you oh so, yeah god isn't yeah. that the truth and and oh. i think i think the other thing i would say is the more money you have the more yes men you will have around you because mm. you no longer have to listen to people who annoy you you know what yeah. i mean as long as you're paying the bar tab, you can surround yourself with whoever you want. Well, <laughs> An example comes to mind that shall go unnamed. <laughs> <right>? Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think that from a maturity standpoint, let me let me go ahead and do our usual podcast, bring everybody down things. So I read this series of books called The Lives and Teachings of the Masters of the Far East by this guy named Bear Spalding about 30 years ago. And I thought... That is the smartest man I've ever heard of in my life. His entire goal was to have one key at the end of his life for an apartment or a room, a boarding room that he rented. He doesn't want to own anything for anybody to deal with. And then you die. And I was like, that's genius, right? (laughs) And most people think I'm crazy for wanting. That's how I want to end right there. No mess. I I tell my, I, I had one client we're in the room and he's got this uh, vampire son and the kid blurts <laughs> out in the middle of the the discussion, you're spending my inheritance. And, oh, just, wow. <laughs> and I just looked at him and I, I felt like saying, Hey, you want to adopt me and get rid of this one? You know, right. and they just, they, they have no clue. And I tell every one of my, my clients, I said, spend it all. Spend yeah. have a ball, you know, and when you, you know, hopefully the bill collector is knocking on your door the day they're zipping you in the body bag. Okay. <laughs> Just have fun with it. You've earned it, you know? Yeah. Hey, and, power and the, other thing I, the other thing I tell people too, is if you've got money, give it to your kids now. Right. What, what, you know, when, when, when you're, you're 20, 25 years old and you're raising kids, and all of a sudden, your parents give you, you know, a, a, a nice piece of money, a dollar, you know, uh, ten thousand, a hundred thousand. That's muchly appreciated. Okay, yeah. and rather than you know, when you're when the kid is a, 
72 years old and the old man's, you know, a hundred and he, he cashes out. Oh, great. You know what I'm going to do is buy a, you know, a wheelchair with the, with the studded tires or something. (laughs) Instead of your cribs, it's, it's, it's your transportation wheelchairs and walkers. Hey, Dan, what is a, what is a sufficient amount to leave your kids so they don't become super assholes? Is it enough to help with the first house or do you need to give them, you know, obviously plain money is too much, but what's, what's an appropriate amount? I I think it's more on how you give it to them. And, And I've seen some wills and trusts set up that they get X amount at 25, X amount at 30, X amount at 35. Okay. And, um, you know, I, I think security, you know, the first gift is a house. Okay. That is, that is a wonderful, you know, not having to slave over a mortgage, uh, for, for your life is an excellent, is an excellent, uh, second one would be, I think education for children would be another very uh, good uh, gift, et cetera. And then, you know, uh, maybe some money towards, you know, the ultimate vacations that you could take for the next five years, something like that. And, and, uh, but, but, you know, very, uh, the the one thing that is bad is I've had people where they've passed away, the bank gets a hold of the trust and then they treat it like it's their money. I had one bank officer tell one of my clients, well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that we'll talk about, you know, you getting that money. And I'm like, it's in the trust. Okay. Right. She has the right to it. And it was, it was a very large bank in Oklahoma city, right. you know, and it's just like, I said this, you know, before um, I think I, I had a couple of choice words for the guy, et cetera. And I think she ended up getting it, but they, right. they treat it like, because as soon as they lo- lose that corpus or principle, they don't make money on it anymore. Right. That's right. Very, very common. And and they they treat it like it's their own. And some people, they forget about it. You know, they, you know, it just keeps amassing. And all of a sudden, you know, they die. And all of a sudden the kids are like, dad was worth how much? And we ate Cheerios (laughs) every day. (laughs) So I had this guy. I'll I'll tell you a fun story just because it's it's good, fun story stuff. So um, I'm trying to remember what his name was. He was in Kansas City, Missouri. He's an Irish guy off the boat from Ireland, never married. He and his girlfriend lived next door to each other in a duplex because they never married, didn't want it to look improper. And, uh, and so my dad is out eating breakfast before work one day, and he sees this guy with the local bishop. And mm-hmm. he goes up to pay, and the, the banker, because this guy was a banker, says, hey, bishop, I think you can pick up this one. And my dad was so appalled, he tried to go up and pay the bill for the bishop, assuming maybe this other guy was broke or something. When the guy dies, he left $250 million to the Catholic Church in our diocese. (laughs) Wow. Right. And my dad was like, evidently, that was the breakfast where he told the bishop he was getting the money. And so we made him oh buy God, breakfast. That, that's a great story. That's, we we had John, I, John I, Sullivan was his name. John Sullivan. There you go. Sorry, I, I had the the pleasure and the honor of working for one of the richest men in Canada in the early parts of of uh, 
uh, the 80s in real estate. And he had made all his money. He was an orphan at two, uh, became very successful when he was, he tried to get into the army for World War II. He was actually a, an A baseball player as a pitcher, but he what? had a bad knee. So he couldn't get into the army. So then he takes the the army physician out, gets him drunk and has him sign the papers. Oh, shit. So that he can, yeah, so he can get into officer's candidate school. And then he gets bounced out of that. So he goes back, his his well, he his adopted family, his uh, I think it was his uncle, um, they had uh, greenhouses. Well, you know, he would grow flowers and, and, and stuff. And then all of a sudden, of course, the war started. And he realized that greenhouses were a great place for assembly for packaging. So well, he would yeah. assemble munitions, um, um, uh, rifles, uh, you know, wow. small artillery pieces, et cetera. And he made his millions that way. Wow. So, but remembering he was an orphan, one day he went by a Catholic orphanage and he had them drive up uh, and he walks up and he, he knocks on the door and the mother superior answers. And he says, sister, I, I, I where the where the where the children's bicycles? She goes, Mister Livingston, we don't we don't have money for bicycles. So, you know, and of course he talked to her a little bit more. The next day, uh, the local bicycle shop shows up at the orphanage. He says, I "Have an order for 150 kids' bicycles." Wow, uh, of, of Mister Livingston. <laughs> That's the type of man he was. Yeah, he was yeah. a good man. And he gave a lot of money and and land to the Catholic Church up in uh, up in Canada before wow. he passed. Yeah, That's so awesome. you know, so people that do get money, I think you know the even though I don't know if he was ever nouveau rich, but he worked his butt off and he started from nothing. And I think he remembered where he came from. He ne yeah. never flouted it, you know, in front of anybody or flaunted it. Pardon me. Right. So yeah, hey, but you know. I would be happy for a friend of mine that hit well to invite everybody on a vacation somewhere and go do something one time, you know, and that's mm -hmm. it. I don't, you know, I don't need anything from anybody. And I, I, I think that this, the, this, the, the other part that I would put into the, all of this context is if you drive a really nice car and live in a, in a plot of land that would be considered to be a mansion or, you know, et cetera, not a Mick mansion, not one of the, you know, just a big four bedroom house, but the real thing, um, everybody comes to you to borrow money, everybody. And, and look, then they don't mean any harm. They just go, well, that's where the money is. That's probably who to ask. Nobody means anything by it, but you're opening yourself up to that. And one other thing that I would, I would put on all that. You only get to live in one house at a time. So my wealthiest uncle in Ireland sold potatoes. I wish I was kidding. So he would go buy a whole farm's potatoes. He had a two and a half ton truck. He would take them up to Dublin and sell them on the side of the road. That guy died with 16 million euro, which at the time was like $25 million um, American dollars. Mm -hmm. And his big thing is the reason he didn't buy real estate is he goes, I can only sleep one place at a time. I just don't need it. And he was incredibly practical about the entire thing. And he sat on that fortune forever. And, and you know, I, I think if, if, if it came around to me again, that's probably the type of person I would be. You know, their family had nice stuff, but it was nothing crazy. Like if you owned a, a pool in Ireland, everybody thought you were an asshole because it would make everybody's water run slow to fill your pool up. Hey, I've <laughs> had Irish people yell at me from across the street for me just wearing gloves. 
It was winter. <laughs> <laughs> Show off. <laughs> right. I, I just, uh, I, I, I like to believe that it's possible that you could do that well and not end up on cribs. And, you know, I, mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember what this documentary series was that I saw. And this kid was out of the Johnson and Johnson family. So he obviously had a huge trust. But he had a fifty thousand dollar a year job, and he lived on that fifty thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was it was incredibly impressive that he didn't buy into all that stuff. My my oldest son's, I don't still, I think he still doesn't have a cell phone. He just know. never bought into any of it. He just doesn't. He just doesn't give a shit. And I envy that more than I envy being on cribs, because you look at some of those houses and you go. Where do you get a list of workmen that take care of that weird pool? Because you can't just call a regular person when you got a half a million dollar pool. You got to call the best of the best of the best. And they're busy already. <laughs> they don't need yours. <laughs> I remember one one of the things I always get a kick out of is when you get a bunch of uh, rich people yeah. around and they start bragging. And, you know, I'm going to do this for my kids. I'm going to do that. And all this kind of stuff and they look at me and they go what do you want for your kids and i looked at them and i said happiness yeah sanity i said that's all i said that's all they really need yeah is happiness and (laughs) yeah i got i got a couple of stiff upper lips on that (laughs) one they weren't real happy i mean i'm like you know i'm a simple guy you know and and so always have been and so you know it's it's i told julie i says um, I said, I'd be uh, happy with you eat, living in a trailer in a trailer park someplace. And she, looks at go. she, goes, she goes, I like this better though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I, so I, and, and Deepak's heard this from me before, since I don't live in my hometown, you know, I, I don't, I've never felt like I needed to keep up with the Joneses. You know, I've lived down here in Oklahoma for about 25 years almost. And God, it's been relieving. I didn't have to chase anything. I mean, I just you just didn't have to do it. And and I mm-hmm. would I have to be honest also and say if I was living in my hometown, I would not feel the same way. I would feel some innate competition. I really was. So I don't wanna I don't wanna dog everybody, but because I know I'd be I would be different in, in that situation. Well, I think one of the, the, the things that um I've I've had a couple of friends recently strike it rich because they worked their butts off on right. I had one gentleman, good guy, um, sell his broker dealership that he developed in for nice. 23 years. And Julie says, you know, are you happy about him? I said, I'm ecstatic. I says, I'm always happy whenever any of my friends hit it. I right. think it's yeah. great. <laughs> you know, and, and I never, you know, you, you don't, um, uh, you're not jealous of them. Uh, you know, it's just, it was their time. They they took the risk that maybe you didn't want to take. And, you know, it paid off for them. And I've had plenty of friends that have ended up losing everything. You know. <laughs> yeah. I, I had yeah. a friend of mine that had securities that were worth at one point type $35 million. Right. Nice. Okay. And he he goes, and I and I followed it right down. He says, I finally sold out. At two million, yep. I said that's yep. great. He goes, then I married the wrong woman, and I now work for twenty five dollars an hour. Wow, 
Ouch. I was gonna, Sean, I was going to tell you, we're like four minutes left and Dan yeah. is giving us a very inspiring, nice story till it all went down the shitter. <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is the way we end our podcast every week. Every week. Hey, I, you know, anything on a close on this, literally from a guy, who's, I've been in business 40 years. You're going to have good years. You're going to have shitty years. You're going to have healthy years. You're going to have sick years. Man, stock some money away because if I would have saved just 10 damn percent of what I made in my early 20s, Lordy, I'd be living sweet. 10 percent. Shit. <laughs> Take us out, DFAC. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dan Powers, for joining us from Denver, Colorado. Sean Cummings, Oklahoma City, as usual, bothering me. <laughs> 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 This was the Villagers podcast. Please like, follow, subscribe, leave a comment. We'll try and answer them. Don't send us mean go. letters today because we said a lot of shitty things about a lot of topics. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. Yeah. Dan, good to see you, buddy. Good to see you all. Y'all take man. care.